We thought that this would be a good moment before we gave of our own gifts to hear another above and beyond uh, testimony. And uh, we're going to hear that from Larry Dennis. Uh, Larry, as you know, uh, he's part of a dynamic duo, including a a man back there named Dean, who goes uh, quite frequently to uh, Mongolia, ministering with our wonderful friend, Gontamer Bodrock and others. And uh, we thought it, it, it's, it's so appropriate to hear from Larry and uh, just hear an encouraging word from him about what we're doing uh, with this special offering and what he has done there in his w- wonderful, wonderful ministry in Mongolia. So, Larry, thank you for coming to speak. Good morning. Uh, it's a privilege to get to share a little bit about what we're doing in, in Mongolia, really not what we, but what God is doing in Mongolia, because it's really not about us. It, it is about God. Uh, we've been going to Mongolia now for about 12 years. Um, originally started with, with Bill Dean going over in 2005, uh, and uh, he was working with some military ministry organizations and came back and did a presentation at our church. And a number of us were listening and kind of had that tug on our hearts and said, maybe that's something we should do. And, of course, ever since then, as they say, you know the rest of the story. Uh, a number of us kind of got involved and have been over the years. Uh, Bill and I and another young man, I say young, he's my age, uh, <laughs> uh, named Charlie Harris, who's a retired uh, master sergeant from the Air Force. Uh, we've kind of been the core group. We call ourselves the Three Amigos, and others have called us the Three Stooges. But uh, we've kind of been the core group, and we've had people come and go with us, and we've, which has been good. We've had a number of businessmen. We've had physicians. We've had uh, teachers. We've had a variety of people, counselors, go with us. Uh, over the years, but uh, it's been such a blessing uh, to be able to go. Um, obviously, we went over in 2006 uh, on our first trip. Uh, we met Gontemer and his family, and you know what a blessing Gontemer has been to, to us and our church and, and certainly to, to Mongolia. His, his time over here, I always look at, is an investment. What an investment to make in someone who can change the world, and, and Gontemer is certainly doing that. And Diggy and the whole family in Mongolia, just, just their, not only their leadership and their, their expertise in all those areas, but also the example. I mean, they, they're, you know, in Mongolia, the families are not always what we would like uh, in terms of ethics and morals and things like that. And you've got this great family that's showing this is how a Christian family lives. It's just a blessing uh, beyond, any, beyond what we would normally think. Um, over the years, we've done a variety of things. We first started off doing uh, vision training and fitting eyeglasses and doing leadership training, a little of everything. But over the years, we've kind of gotten a little more focused. And initially, our focus was, was with the Mongolian military. Why the military? Well, why not? Uh, everyone uh, in Mongolia has to serve for at least a year. Well, what a great place to get everybody that's going through, uh, you know, the government and through the military. Uh, they're going to go out into the world. So great place to be focused. We, we've got future leaders, future people that uh, we can change the world. So that's one of the reasons we, we've been kind of focused on them, but we've kind of expanded that now. Um, one of the main things we do is we do a leadership training. Uh, Bill and uh, Charlie Harris have done that for a number of years. Uh, and what we do, we go in, we take the junior officers, we go out to the units, and we will train them in leadership. And, of course, it's ethical training. It's, it's not, you know, just totally secular. We, we try to you know, weave in some, some ethics and, and that kind of thing. And Charlie will go, and Bill used to do this as well, uh, it may be 40, 50 cadets, maybe more sometimes in one unit, and then they'll do training, and then he'll go to another unit the next day. 
may see 150 to 200 people, uh, young cadets, doing leadership training. And we've also now got some of the Mongolian missionaries with us over there. They can now do the training. So they co-teach many times, which is great because it gives them a little credibility and status. And and then they can do that when we're not here, uh, over there. And that's been a a real blessing. Um, Now, in addition to doing that leadership training, what they also do is they... uh, Everyone that goes to that leadership training, all those cadets, that 150, 200, whatever the number, their names are taken, and they're followed up by the missionaries. So they're invited to Bible studies, fellowships, churches, all the things to establish relationships. So it's not just going and hearing for an hour and a half. It's also building relationships. And really interesting about relationships, Charlie Harris, who's played in the United States Air Force Band for 30 years, great musician. Uh, he was at a, uh, one of the uh, military uh, bases, and it was a, had, they had a musical ensemble. It was, it was a kind of a musical place, a, a base. And the commander asked Charlie to play. They brought a baby grand out asking to play, and he did. And next thing you know, a couple of people are coming up and singing, and all of a sudden, they're all singing. And here we are with these good Christian people in this big secular <laughs> command center singing together. And asking, of course, they asked Charlie, please come back. And that's one thing we've noticed. They asked for us to come back now. We used to kind of have to beg and plead to come in. Now they're asking for us. And we want that name of Jesus to be associated with something good. And it, it is. Charlie and, and Bill have done a great job in that. Well, over time, after we went over there a little while, uh, Gontra says, you know, we really need some help in the area of psychology because uh, it's a very fledgling uh, profession right now in Mongolia. They've just not had anything like that. And is there something we could do there? So what we've done over the years is we've developed some training seminars, and I will train uh, about 40 to 50 Mongolian psychologists. Uh, we do about a four-day seminar, and we teach basic assessment and treatment of mental disorders, pretty basic stuff because that's kind of where they are. Um, and then we do a, like a basic course, then I'll do an advanced course with some people who've been in my lectures before. And over time, that's been kind of a hit. It's met a need, obviously. We do it with a regular military, we do it with border troops, we do it with all the police uh, psychologists, we do it with a marshal's office, crisis unit, and several other things now that have kind of come into our, to our seminars. And we give them a manual and, and a bunch of other things. Uh, but again, it's done in our ministry building, the Campus Crusade for Christ ministry building. Every one of those people are followed up. Relationships are developed, Bible studies, church, socials, marriage things, all kinds of things. All of those people are followed up on. It's about developing relationships. We're the draw. You know, we're, we're the novel a little bit. And we do hopefully do something that's constructive. Um, and one thing we've, we've had happen is that now if you're going to be a, a police academy psychologist, you have to come to our courses. We're part of their curriculum now. So we've kind of gotten in good with them. Uh, but the big thing is the follow-up. And, and while we're there, we always, we'll have lunch with some of the cadets. We'll have Bible studies afterwards, uh, have a chance to witness, do those kinds of things. But it's been a, a it's just it's kind of exploded. It's just another area that God has worked in. It, it wasn't there originally, but God said, Let's, here's a door that's open. Now, Bill back here, he's kind of the glue that holds this, this team together. Uh, he has been a great mentor to those Mongolians over there, and particularly in the ministry. Bill's business expertise, he's been such a mentor. How you run a business, 
How do you manage things? How do you organize things? He's helped with the funding. And so many of those people in Mongolia then are, are young folks, and they need that kind of gentle mentoring and good Christian example of how to do things. And he's been such a blessing to those people uh, in, that, in that way. And Bill also is great at opening doors. He's good at networking. The next thing you know, the commander's inviting us in. And it's because of the relationships that Bill has, has developed. Well, in addition, uh, it's always interesting. God opens doors all along. I mentioned the psychology part. Well, Bill, is, of course, you know, is a big rotary guy. And next thing you know, he's going to the rotary club over in Mongolia. And all of a sudden from that, he developed a relationship with them. And now the Birmingham Rotary and the Mongolian Rotary are developing and sponsoring a, a program to put showers in the schools. See, in, in Mongolia, outside the, the city, there's no running water. So the children have no place to bathe and shower, use the toilet, whatever else. So they're partnering, the two rotaries are partnering to build showers to go in the school systems. That's God's going above and beyond. Now, Charlie, I mentioned, the, the, this master sergeant, he's a big Kiwanis guy. Well, next thing you know, he's been asked to come out and look at a, an orphanage. Well, now, that orphanage and his Kiwanis Club over here in the States are partnering, and that Kiwanis Club is sponsoring that orphanage. Money, sent teachers over to help train some of the people over there. Above and beyond, that was not in our plans. All of these things have just kind of developed over time and, uh, and grown. And Bill is also involved in developing a, a, a businessman's ministry. They're, they're looking at doing some things with that and developing Bible studies, teaching uh, Christian ethics in terms of business and those kinds of things. And that's another area that I think is fixing to take off. Well, we started with a military ministry, and that's what Gontramer was kind of leading and developing when we first went over. But now Gontramer is, is part of the Campus Crusade for Christ. It's the, kind of the umbrella organization. And now, get this, he's over the Centurion Ministry, which is the military part that we've been talking about, medical ministry, which ministers to health professionals, teacher's ministry, which is obviously ministering to teachers of college and high school age, Young Life, which is ministered to young people in general. Family Life, which ministers to families. A whole umbrella of things that Gontram is leading and, and in charge of. And all of these have numbers of staff. And every day they reach out to people and minister to them to build the, the fabric in Mongolia of a good Christian foundation. All of these things we didn't start out with. All those things I just mentioned. We know where this started. Gontram and four of his friends in 1997 said, let's do some Bible study together. And why don't we invite some of our friends and tell them about Christ and look at what God did above and beyond anything we would have ever dreamed from that little Bible study with five 20-year-olds and look what they've done, how much they've changed the world. Well, how can you help? That's what we're here to talk about a little bit. Praying. You can't do missions without prayer. You've got to have that foundation that God's going to give us wisdom, discernment, correction when we need it, strength when we have the bumps, but also to make sure we follow God's plan and don't limit him. And we tend to limit God so much of the time. And our prayer is always, God, don't let my little view of the world limit what you can do and put me in a place where I can do something. You can go. 
If you're a businessman or businesswoman, a teacher, a policeman, a military officer, a pastor, a church minister, a counselor, a medical person, or just someone who wants to witness and strengthen the families in, in Mongolia, we can probably find a place for you if you're interested in going. Our next trip is in the end of September. We used to go for about 10 days, give or take a little bit. Uh, we'd love to have you go along. You, you, you'll go with a group that's been around a while. We kind of know the ropes. It's a safe trip. And it's a relatively short trip if you compare it, say, to go to the moon. It's, it's, it's pretty short. Uh, that's the way I look at it. Uh, but we would love to have you. We would love to have you take part in this. You will be blessed, as you hear everybody talks about missions. You will come back changed. There is no question about that. You can give uh, financially. It's important to have that. Now, Brookwood's been great. We, we, our missions budgets and, and, and people individually have given a great deal uh, for Mongolia. We've helped purchase some of the facilities they're in. We've helped build out the facilities. Once they had them, they didn't have any furniture, they didn't have any walls or anything. We've helped with that. Uh, we helped with, obviously, all the supplies and training materials and translators and transportation and whatever is needed to minister. Brookwood has helped with funding in that. Um, to help with the staff. And, and, and also, many of the staff over there have to raise their own funds for their position. So that's another area that someone wanted to help. Even a small amount of money is huge over there to help them support themselves uh, in their ministries. Uh, recently, uh, we've done a couple of novel things. Uh, a few months ago in November, uh, we provided money to buy Bibles to give to the medical teams over there and the, the medical ministries to hand out the doctors can hand out the Bibles and things like that. One real neat thing is that we also have Mongolia is twice the size of Texas okay so you got the capital city and then out there is forever and ever and ever and to get to ever and ever and ever if you want to go that we're here at the end it'd take you two weeks if your car would make it because of the roads and the weather and everything else. So what we have done, we've provided funds for a, a, a transportation team called Blue Air, which is a, an air, a charter flights, and it's a Christian-based, and they, they want to help Christian organizations. So we help fund so they can take a team, and Gajra took about nine members, and they flew way out to the western part of Mongolia recently to, serve, to support the churches, the missionaries, to do training, to do evangelism, and like I said, a lot to encourage those ministers way out in the boondocks, if you will. But we helped fund the cost for that. In fact, we paid the whole cost for them to go on that trip. And we will continue to do that. So there are all kinds of things. We also, uh, they had an outreach during Christmas. We helped kind of fund that. So there are many opportunities funding-wise uh, to do things. And we would encourage you, if you have any interest, that would be a, a great thing. And you can always talk to Bill and I about any of these things. And, and I, I, again, I think when you look at what, how things started with Gontamer and kind of how things are now in Mongolia, you know that verse that God can do more than we can imagine or ever dream of is true. And we would invite you to help us fulfill God's promises to do that. Thank you. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from Exodus 27, and as Jim has already read, 2 Corinthians 7.10. If you don't have your Bibles with you and you wish to follow along, it is page 54 and page 819 in the Pew Bible. 
Before we read our scripture this morning, Keith has prepared a prayer of illumination. So will you pray silently in your heart as I pray? Mighty God, you spoke to your people in the pillar of cloud as they walked together in the wilderness. Speak to us through your word today that we may hear you calling us out of the wilderness places in our lives and into new places that you have promised to show us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Exodus 27. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. And from 2 Corinthians 7.10, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. This is the word of God. As many of you know, we are beginning a Lenten series in the adult Sunday school classes, many of them anyway, that is written by our own Jeff Roberts, and it's an outstanding study. You might see copies of it out there in the hallway or uh, in your class, but it's Grace Above and Beyond, and it really explores uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's understanding of grace, and it's from a wealth of material, primarily from the book the cost of discipleship, but really a number of uh, Dr. Bonhoeffer's works. And I would encourage you, even if you're not in one of those Sunday school classes that's doing this, get a copy of this because it is outstanding. I'm so grateful for the great job that Jeff did. You might recall last week, Olivia, his daughter, uh, gave an above and beyond testimony and did such a great job with that. Uh, This morning we talk about cheap grace and costly grace. Again, I want to begin in in a different kind of setting, and that is the Ten Commandments. Let me just ask you, uh, the first commandment is what? You shall have no other, what? God's before me. What's the second one? You shall shall not make for yourself. Yeah, okay, that's the way I learned it. You shall not make for yourself in the old King James, a graven image. Uh, You shall not make for yourself an idol. What's number three on that vital top ten? Does anybody know? Ah, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does that mean? It's way up there. It's third on the list. I've got to be honest, (laughs) the way I grew up understanding it in quite the narrow way was, are you ready for this? Don't cuss. That's the way I understood it. Don't, Don't use bad words, especially with the name God in them. And I thought, that's it. You know, which again, I thought, wow, cussing must be a horrible, horrible thing. Then I started reading Martin Luther, who cussed like a sailor. I didn't know what to do. I want us to look a little more deeply at this commandment. Why would it be number three? Is there more to it? And there is. Let's look at Exodus 20, verse 7. Now, this is in the NLT, and I really appreciate that. Again, you go to the, say, King James or RSV, it'll say, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Good translation, this is a good one as well. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Misuse it, maybe not just say it. Could it mean more than that? Well, let's break this down into the original Hebrew. Jeff Leonard would be proud of me this morning. First of all, the word for take is nasa in the Hebrew. 
It means literally to take up or carry. I always think of NASA with uh, uh, the rockets going up to take up or carry. That's what it literally means in the Hebrew. Nasa, take up or carry. And then you've got the interesting word for, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. In vain, and that's shav. Shav, and it literally means without substance. Uh, you might recall, um, and Jeff correctly, the other Wednesday night called it Kohelet, uh, Ecclesiastes. How does, how does uh, the book of Kohelet of, of Ecclesiastes begin? Do you remember? And this is someone who had acquired everything in life, but it didn't amount to anything. It was indeed without substance. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, all is a striving after the wind. Literally, the word there for vanity in the wonderful earthy Hebrew is, it literally means mist. It's something that's there, but then gone. It, there's no, no true uh, weight or substance to it. Now, if you were to do a literal translation of the Hebrew of this third commandment, it would be, you shall not carry God's name lightly. That's what it means. It's talking about carrying God's name lightly in a way that's without substance. And when you do that, no doubt you practice what Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. Bonhoeffer puts it this way, and we're going to have a number of his quotes in the yellow. He says this, cheap grace is the deadly enemy of our church. Think about that, the deadly enemy of our church. We are fighting today for costly grace. He goes on to say this, Cheap grace means grace sold on the market like cheap jacks wares. But apparently, that was an old term for people who just sold cheap stuff, say, uh, you know, in a warehouse at a flea market, something like that. Cheap grace means grace sold on the market like cheap jacks wares. Forgiveness of sin is thrown away at cut prices. It is grace without price, grace without cost. And when you practice cheap grace and live by that, you're really excusing yourself for taking God's name lightly, and you're carrying God's grace lightly. You know, we make the grace go down nice and easy, and we basically use it, don't misuse the name of the Lord your God, we use it really as an excuse for how we respond to God's grace. We kind of receive God's grace, but keep living exactly as we were. It really doesn't take effect One of my mentors was Dr. Dale Moody, one of the great theologians in Baptist history. And uh, when Dale Moody was 18, he was already a young pastor at, I'm not making this up, it was down in Texas, Lonesome Dove Baptist Church. How many of y'all remember that wonderful miniseries, Lonesome Dove? There really is a Lonesome Dove, and he was pastor of Lonesome Dove Baptist Church. He had been there for just a while. And he started to hear from the rumor mill that one of the deacons in his church was carrying on multiple affairs with women both in the church and outside the church. Very wealthy man. He thought, well, I'm only 18, but I'm the pastor and we've got to deal with this. So he contacted the deacon chair and they went to confront this gentleman. And this man, they found, was out on one of his oil fields that he owned. Very wealthy fellow. And uh, they walked up to him and confronted him about this sinful behavior. And he said, I'll never forget, he said, this fellow was wearing suspenders, hooked his thumb in those suspenders and pulled them way out like such and then snapped them back against his chest. And he said, Brother Moody, I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. I was baptized in the name of Jesus, and I am heading to heaven now. So now, until I get there, I can do whatever I blank well please. 
what he said. Now that's carrying God's name lightly. That's taking God's grace lightly. But we're quick to judge, aren't we? Look at yourself as best you can in the mirror and remember that the Christ who knows and loves you also knows your deepest of Moses, motives rather, he knew Moses too. Knows your deepest of motives, uh, knows those dark corners within your own soul. Are there ways that you have been carrying God's grace too lightly? Bonhoeffer says this, Cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. It is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ. It is under the influence of cheap grace that the world has been made Christian, but at the cost of secularizing the Christian religion as never before. Boy, he's right on that. We've secularized our faith way too much by taking God's grace so irreverently. Paul puts it so well in a nutshell, as we already read, 2 Corinthians 7.10, which says what? For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads away from sin and results in salvation. It's about discipleship, wanting to do better along the way. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. The kind of sorrow God wants us to have motivates us away from sin. It's not like we can just wash our hands of it and then go keep living the way that we've already been living. No, there's no regret for when we really do want to do better. But worldly sorrow lacks repentance and results, as he says, in spiritual death. What we want to practice is godly sorrow, the way Paul put it, or costly sorrow, as Bonhoeffer would put it. And it's an extended quote here, but I think it's so wonderful the way Bonhoeffer puts it about costly grace. And I'm going to read it. It's in your bulletin. It's a little hard to read, and I'm going to condense it just a bit. But he says, costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field. For the sake of it, a man will gladly go and sell all that he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy, which the merchant will sell all his goods. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow, and it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life, and it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin and grace because it justifies the sinner above all. It is costly because it cost God the life of his son. Yea, we're bought with a price, and what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Didn't count it as too much. I've always loved the acrostic that you see for grace. Have you ever seen that? God's riches at Christ's expense. I love that. I'm not always a big acrostic fan. That's a perfect one. I can't, can't think of one that, that, that encompasses grace better. God's riches at Christ's expense. It was free for us, but it was at the utmost expense for God, the Father. What we could never have afforded to buy, he gave to us completely free. God paid a debt he did not owe for a debt that we could never, ever, ever pay. So do we live in a way that shows that we do 
not take his most generous gift of all, that gift of grace enacted by his own son Jesus on the cross, do we not take that too lightly? Carol Holliday found herself in the midst of a crisis in 1965 when her husband suddenly left her, uh, left her two young sons as well, filed for divorce. Uh, She, in order to relocate, decided to sell most of their possessions, including the two beds that the boys had used, and they sold them, well, initially gave them to Annie May. Annie May was the maid for her former in-law's parents-in-law, I should say. And she really was considered part of the family, and, and Carol had grown close to her. And Annie Mae was poor. She didn't have the $35 that was needed, but she asked, will you trust me? And over the next year, I will, I will pay you a little bit each month. And, and, and Carol said, sure, that's fine. Carol moved, but every month she would get a monthly installment uh, payment of, of, of 3 or $4.00. Uh, $1 bills in an envelope from Annie Mae. And it became kind of a ritual where she would get those few dollars and she would take her sons out to eat ice cream and they would be thinking about Annie Mae as they did that. In December of that year, she sent that final installment of $4. And she had a note in there as well and she said this. This was from Annie Mae to Carol. I told my two sons that they could now go to the storage shed and put the beds together and sleep in them, for now they are paid for and rightfully ours. She waited that whole year. She was so grateful and, in a sense, so principled with this. Now, in one sense, you could say, well, Annie Mae, God's grace is an immediate gift and it can never be repaid, but I want you to look how seriously Annie Mae took that generous act of grace that was given to her. She didn't carry that act of grace lightly, did she? Do you carry God's grace like you should? I want to close talking about an amazing gentleman named John Bradford who was around in the 1500s, one who understood grace in a way that few, I would say, ever have. He was a chaplain to King Edward VI, and he had this sweet spirit, a very contrite heart that really impacted hundreds and hundreds of people along the way, a powerful witness. He was known to do this. In private prayer, he would, he would take paper and write down his innermost sins, his worst sins, and write them out. And he he would throw them away, but he thought it was important to say, these are my worst sins, and he would list them for himself. And he did that so he would have a truly contrite heart and not take his sin lightly. He also did it to give thanks to the God who offered grace in spite of those terrible sins, whether they were sinful thoughts or sinful acts. And he also wrote them down and prayed that he would have more of a heart completely devoted to his Lord and Savior. It was Bradford's experience with grace, by the way, uh, that led to, how many of y'all have ever heard the phrase there, but for the grace of God go I? That goes back to Thomas Bradford. He would hear about another criminal who was soon to be executed for some terrible crime, and he would always quote that in front of other people, there, but for the grace of God go I. Well, years later, because of some important stands that Thomas Bradford and other reformers took, he himself was ultimately martyred. He was martyred. Tied to a stake, 
getting ready to be burned along with a gentleman named John Leaf who was also taking an important stand for the faith, for proper doctrine. But even as he was about to be burned, as depicted in this picture, his faith never wavered. And his final words that were recorded were to John Leaf, who was being executed with him, burned at the stake with him. And he looked at the much younger man who looked a little fearful, and he said this, Be of good comfort, brother, for we shall have a merry supper with the Lord this night. Wow. Be of good comfort, brother, for we shall have a merry supper with the Lord this night. He knew the meaning of grace. And we have a merry supper that awaits us here. One that depicts so powerfully the costly grace that it took for Jesus to suffer and die on our behalf that we might embrace his grace. It's a chance for us to commit ourselves all the more to live by that grace that he offered so freely that we so do not deserve. It gives us a chance to live by that costly grace with reverence, with clarity, with sincerity, And yes, with gladness. Let's bow our heads to pray. And as I pray, I'd like to ask the deacons to come forward. Be with us now, O God, as we engage in this tangible remembrance of what you did for us that cost everything for your son, Jesus. Indeed, we were bought with a price And it was the ultimate price that your only son paid that we might have newness of life, that we might have forgiveness of sin. So as we participate in this meal, O God, may we not take it lightly. May we sense an added heaviness to the bread, to the cup, realizing what it took that we might not take your grace so lightly but rather reverently and with joy for what you did for us so long ago. We pray these things in your name. Amen.